Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Henderson, your hostess, and this is show number 19. And this week, Derek and I... I have a guest on. His name is Marvin B. from MB Systems out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Welcome, Marvin. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Glad to be here. (laughs) Marvin's finally on the show. For those that don't remember, we had a little tech meetup, Marvin and I, down in um, Miramar when I was down in Florida. And it was quite an enjoyable couple hours Marvin and I had sitting there talking tech and and just kind of sitting down and talking. And it's fun when you, you know, talk to somebody that does what you do, but yet... Not really, but Marvin, why don't you go ahead and tell our audience what you actually do as a consultant down there in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Well, for the most part, my current iteration is basically network administration and support. Um, That's kind of what I've always done, but uh, in the beginning, I started out like a lot of us where I had left uh, the tech shop where I was working, uh, got a bunch of clients, and got whatever clients I could get, residential, business. Um, I got lucky that I had a lot of business clients and started to grow that part of my business um, and focused a lot on networking, hired a couple of techs, uh, really got big when I got a couple of nice law firms. Um, but now with the advent of remote support and a couple of my clients have gotten really big where they've hired their own in-house IT to take care of desktops, you know, and, and just basic on-site mm-hmm. stuff. I still manage the servers, the networks, their their multi-office connections, uh, but I just don't need full-time techs anymore. No. So all, all my tech work is, is now outsourced. So I've kind of morphed into this network administrator slash gotcha. consultant. Um, so I still do a lot of networking, um, but I'm more into the consulting part, coming in when people have issues, um, you know, if they've got their tech, can't figure stuff out, uh, I'm now the guy that they call to come in and, and uh, find the problem and fix it. Well, cool. Well, we, uh, Derek, um, Derek and I wanted to bring you onto the show because you discussed uh, when we were having uh, dinner that night that you were going to be doing your first Office 365 show. So before we get rolling into stories here, Derek, how is your last two weeks been with work? Life has been very good. Life's been very good. I'm glad we have Marvin on today. Um, personally, I've been uh, very busy. Grad school started back up again for my master's program, oh. and uh, we are picking up 365 migration clients left and right. I got a hospital chain in Texas that has just signed uh, on 350 seats. We've got a um, we've got another move that we're doing for a restaurant franchise um, out of state. So a lot of lot of work on the table. So it's uh, it's an exciting wow. time, and I think this is the perfect show to to really uh, sort to kick that off uh, with what we're going to discuss today. Yeah, migration migraines. That's the topic. <laughs> yeah, our favorite uh, our favorite uh, stories to tell, right? Well, I got to tell you guys what's really kind of funny about my world since I came back from Florida is I moved to this little, well, it's not a little house. It's just an old 1900 house. And I've had a house moving in just crazy. You know how when you first move, it's all over yeah. the place. You need to order stuff. Life's I didn't have enough... I ordered this desk off Amazon. It, it seriously is as big as my living room. I mean, it is a monster. And it took weeks to get here. I finally get it in. And now it's like half my living room. So my command center computer is finally getting put up. Uh, I've been living off my laptop and living just crazy unpacking world. And I'm really finally ready to just get back into work mode, you know. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the last migration I did, I think, about broke my soul. And the reason why is because I think I got so used to doing them how I do them that I wasn't prepared for 19 problems, you know. And so I took this time off while I was moving to reconstruct my processes for migrations. And I'll talk about that here in my migraine issues with the last migration I did. But it really helped me put a lot of things in place for what I need to, to, to not have problems again. And this migration I did was only seven people. <laughs> oh my God. It seriously about killed me. Um, the first problem is I think it comes from the top with the clients. 
I told me and the client decided to do the migration, but I don't think he told his employees. Oh, so, so they were all left in the dark yeah, before you they, get started. Yeah. That's always so nice. I, so, I, so I sent out the email I send out to everybody that standard questions. Uh-huh. And I only got three back. And some people are like, I don't know what this is for. And I was like, oh, we're migrating your mail, which I just did their migration two years ago from um, GoDaddy. Mm -hmm. So we're getting them off the old hosted exchange, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, crappy compared to exchange online. Okay. Then I didn't hear back from three people and I have a schedule here, right? So finally I emailed them all again and said, look, I really need this information. And three people still didn't get back to me. So I had to call the owner and be like, can you tell them to reply and answer my questions? Mm-hmm. Now, my initial questionnaire was pretty simple. What version of Outlook do you use? What kind of phone do you have? What do you want your password to be? What do you want your display name to be? I mean, these are things that when you set up the accounts, you need to know, mm-hmm. right? I find it easier to set up the password they want from the get-go yep. and deal with it later. Okay, so that's just the start of the problems. Second of all, I have to do my backups because this company is tends to be inbox heavy mm-hmm. and I have to do my exports from my map or from uh, the server. Okay, I remote into this guy's computer. It says password prompt needed. Sight unseen, I'm like, why don't why isn't that working? He said it's been broken for weeks. Okay, so that's not something that should be covered in a migration, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have to fix that? I couldn't back up his Outlook, and for an hour and a half, I'm working on this issue going, I'm not getting paid for this. Then I couldn't export out, and then this password prompt, and then his Outlook crashed. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So now I've learned from that mistake is in my questionnaire, I say, are you currently experiencing any Outlook issues that I need to work on before the migration? Now, this might not make sense to you now, but this questionnaire is for the employees. The owner is going to get a questionnaire that says, I understand that any work outside of the migration is billable. (laughs) Okay. I think that's important. Well, I'm learning that I've done these for years, but there's always a learning opportunity. So that was this guy's issue. And his onsite tech actually said he'd take over and fix that. So no problem. Mm -hmm. Now, the other five employees were all remote. I did not know that they were in four different states with four different time zones, oh. <laughs> and one guy was in Spain oh, my goodness. who never checked his email. So I finally got a hold of him after four days. He actually missed the migration. I just couldn't, I had to do it without him. So mm-hmm. we just had to, he just had to wing it. His internet speed was so slow that it took two and a half days to sync with the Microsoft server from the export I had of all his mail and he was a he's the kind of guy that had like four monitors going with tons of stuff so i was like i said i don't know what's going to happen for you but it it will sink trust me sure but i think the the biggest learning lesson i had with this migration is is that um people don't read emails and it doesn't matter if you keep it down to two sentences they won't read it and won't answer you correctly so i've had to create a website form mm-hmm. that requires everything to be checked off before i do a migration and that is and that is filled out by all the users or is that just by oh, the yeah. owner okay. nope end users have to do it themselves because here's two things one is the owner has theirs that i collect all the website control panel information and all the stuff i need to just do the job mm-hmm. And then the employees get their own, and I will not do the migration until every employee has put it in because everybody's different. And I really made it simple, but it's required now because now I can go do the work. In fact, I can even do some of the migrations on my own computer if I have all their information, Mm -hmm. which sometimes like with Spain, I had to do that with that guy. I actually had to download it to my own computer and to get it halfway done for him. So uh, maybe that wasn't the right one, but... Anyway, this was the migration, like I said, that broke my soul. So I took a long break. I took a ton of notes from that job, and I spent the time when I was driving back from Florida and reworked my migration documentation. Now I've got the universe must be like, Lisa, you're ready, because I've got four on the plate for next week. Well, there you go. Let's pick yeah, it back up, which is nice. It's common. <laughs> There's like a one-person, a two-person, a five-person, and a seven-person, and I'm going to do them all myself. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to whiz bang them out. <laughs> so that was, you know, and now well, you learn from your mistakes, right? Lisa, I mean, you took a look at what happened with that 
that that that botched migration. You you picked up you know the the, the broken pieces and you formulated a plan that's going to work now. You know for the long haul, which is the yeah. way that you have to do it with these you know kind of projects. Yep, and I think there was also a Windows update that must have just caused a glitch with Outlook. So I've never seen this before. Is when you go to add in a new profile in the Outlook, uh, in the control panel. Mm-hmm. I don't make a new profile. I just add the exchange to um the current one existing one yeah Yeah, because it's easier but for some reason three of those people in that migration had a glitch and i had to create a whole new profile for them because it said outlook cannot delete the primary email and it was like attached in the registry yeah sometimes uh, depending on the outlook version depending on the service pack level sometimes outlook in that profile refuses to let go of that other email address account and you just for the life of you just can't get around it without making that new profile so i've run into the same thing before and it doesn't happen that often but when it does it's like it's not the person's not the person you want to have to make the new profile for so and then so also because of that i've um because of that last migration i raised my prices fifty dollars a person and I've sold all four of them this week at the higher price, so mm-hmm. it's definitely still acceptable to the market. And I've also added in to the questionnaire, uh, what is your current email platform? Pop, IMAP, Gmail, whatever. Because I need to know more between each you know, company. Mm-hmm. I Sometimes you miss little things. And my final thing is, are you using any third-party apps such as iCloud, Outlook.com, Companion Link for synchronizing? Mm-hmm. Because I just really feel I need to know just as much as I can before going in. Because I'm going in blind to some of these people's computers. Never seen them. They have no idea what's going on. And my last migration last week, which was just a quickie, at the very end, the lady goes, well, now where's all my iCloud calendars? <laughs> oh! Ugh. Okay, I didn't know you had a bunch of iCloud calendars. So I went and added that to my questionnaire this week. Because if you have iCloud calendars, you're getting charged more because that took me an hour to configure in her two computers. Yeah, you mentioned on the previous show, Lisa, that iCloud really throws a big kink into <sighs> your processes. And I, I personally haven't run into it yet, so I was kind of curious as to what that, you know, what what is the big yeah. deal about what iCloud does? So you guys are dealing with more corporate people. I'm dealing with home end mm-hmm. user that owns businesses. Mm-hmm. So my people have, you know, sometimes five third-party apps rolling. Sure. You know, they have Salesforce, iCloud, uh, Sometimes they roll around into Gmail somehow with the calendar sharing too. Mm-hmm. And what this client actually had was family sharing with iCloud. Mm-hmm. It's a family calendar. Well, after I fixed everything, it got disconnected somehow. So I had to now go and fix it. And the other computer had two versions of Windows or Outlook open. So it wouldn't let me do iCloud configuration. I really just, I, I keep learning how to not screw myself. <laughs> That's what it boils down to, is every job I learn and I go and change it on the documentation. And I've done tons of these. Those personal best practices, right? Well, I just keep going, I didn't know about iCloud at the end. Why am I, why am I doing that for free? Mm-hmm. That wasn't part of the migration. And I think when you're wrapped into it, you just get caught up. Oh, it should just take a minute. Well, iCloud never takes a minute. I mean, I don't know if you guys work with it a lot, but it seriously does not take a minute. Yeah, I mean, the few times I've worked with it, I mean, in general, people are using the iCloud functionality to kind of fill in the gap for where they didn't have the Exchange functionality. So really what I've seen is that Exchange came in, filled the gap with Context Sync, filled the gap with Calendar Sync, and people really just kind of ditched the iCloud in my experience. So I don't know. That's just, that's just you know, my take on it. So I don't think a lot of corporate users use iCloud except for personal with their phones. Mm-hmm. And they happen to figure out how to get to Sync and Outlook good, but it's really not easy. Um, I, I can know. I can tell you that any time I've dealt with an iCloud issue, um, because all of my clients right now are business clients, we tell them that iCloud is their own personal issue that they'll have to take back with their their phone carrier or whatever. That's a good approach. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, go back to the phone Mark. carrier. <laughs> so, Way to go. Blame it on yeah. others. Yeah. Well, we will take care of the business side of it. Anything else, you're on your own. Well, hey, Marvin, since I do that, though, that support, that's where I'm going with this, is that if people are using iCloud, then their bill is going to be higher. Right. Because my migration includes a lot of stuff. Like, I don't mind exporting out the iCloud calendar and putting it in Exchange, but I'm not going to go reconfigure iCloud for a family calendar Mm -hmm. for free. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that's just silly. And that was my own fault. And I always take the blame. But that now is I'm never going to do that again. So I just earn money from that mistake. Right? (laughs) 
That's how I look at it. Hey, Marvin, I'm really curious. Have you had any situations where, where, where customers have been upset with you due to, you know, them thinking that you broke their iCloud? I mean, how have you handled any situations like that? Um, to be honest, I think I've only had maybe two iCloud issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them, I thought I was going to get, you know, just, you know, totally bent over and uh-huh. spanked for yeah. it. Um, because it was the, it was the, it was the owner of the company, but he was the one that actually said, "You know what? This isn't really your issue. I'll go to I'll go to the AT and T store." And That's a sigh of relief, I, right there. Yeah. So I just said at that point, I I wasn't going to offer any more help. I'm like, yeah, it's probably a good idea. Just let me know how it turns out. Well, so you guys uh, can say that you're corporate people. I kind of miss that. Like, oh, yeah, not, that, not yeah, that, that's that is a lot of leverage, um, and I can understand. You know, if you're dealing with somebody's personal stuff, um, you know, you take on a lot more responsibility that you really shouldn't have to, but you end up having to anyway, just because you want to keep the keep the customer happy. But yeah. like you, like you're doing, Lisa, you've got to charge that premium. Um, yeah, well, yeah. the only reason why I charge, I raised my prices is because uh, two years ago when I started, or maybe two to four years ago, um, I built differently four years ago. But now I'm kind of like, there's so many more problems with uh, with Outlook than there used to be with all these third-party apps and other yeah. snags. And Outlook 2013 is starting to be buggy again. So I've just learned that I'd rather just bill the appropriate price and do the job and actually added more aftercare that I, than I used to. Um, I know how to fine tune Outlook now. So when they're done, there should be no callbacks. And my goal is to not have a callback ever. Like they're done. It's syncing, their phone syncing, their the autofill's done, their signature's in place. Mm-hmm. You know, their old calendars are removed, their PSTs are imported. I mean, I just, it's the aftercare, I call it. I want them perfectly happy. And that's one thing with you guys that you probably don't have to do because you're dealing in a, an active directory environment. Is that right, Derek? Yeah, I mean, sometimes. It's not always the case. I mean, there's a lot of mid-sized businesses or a little bit larger small businesses that, you know, don't utilize full AD or, or you know, are yeah. integrating their exchange system with AD or they're using 365 and they don't want to have the tie back into AD. So it's, you know, it, okay. it's fairly common, but not all the time. So it just, it depends on the customer, depends on, you know, what kind of technical environment they've been, you know, have, has been in place at, at their location. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a little all over the board. It's, you know, when you get into larger C customers, yes, AD is fairly commonplace, but, you know, still at that 25 to 30, 35 seat realm, which, yeah. you know, we still touch, um, you know, it's not, not a hundred percent. It's not universal. So no, and you're kind of in the same boat, right, Marvin? I mean, you, you and Derek are real similar actually with what you offer in terms of consulting. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the biggest things that I've had really have to do with my clients that were on premise exchange users, because I still support a lot of, you know, on-site exchange servers. Um, and I've got clients where they're either going away from that mm-hmm. to Office 365 or Hosted Exchange or some other platform. Okay. And, and that's where I'm, most of the stuff I've dealt with, you know, my first, my first run in with, I'm not going to say Office 365 because I think it was more, um, Hosted Exchange through okay. App River. Sure. Um, where I had one of my law firms, you know, they had a Exchange 2003 server that was, pretty much starting to crash. Mm-hmm. And so I gave them the cost for a new exchange server with licenses. And, you know, to do it right, that's a pretty beefy piece of hardware we were going to have to build them because <laughs> we're we're talking about a law firm with, you know, a hundred and at the time I think 120 users. Um they were they had six offices at the time. Uh and three of the offices remote in uh, to remote server, and then they've got two offices that they're actually connected through a VPN uh, from East Coast to West Coast. Wow. So, you know, we had the 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 issue was some of those clients were going to have to run in Outlook, you know, cached exchange mode uh, to their main server and then all the remotes. And I think the quote we gave them was somewhere close to 15 grand to put in the hardware, software licenses, migrate all over, you know, all their existing and they just didn't want to spend all that money up front. And they looked in the app river and they felt that they could do that monthly cost of whatever, twelve ninety five a month 
to do that. Mm-hmm. So we spent a weekend, you know, migrating people from a local exchange into the App River um, hosted exchange accounts, and uh, that was fun. I mean, I mean, uh, we hey Marvin, a, yeah. Can I ask you why you picked the hosted exchange over the um, exchange online? Well, at the time they did this, this was probably four years ago. Oh yeah, before yeah, was, Line was around, maybe. <laughs> and well, it was before it was before it was good and stable. That's well, I was going to say, I think Office three sixty five was out, but you know, I did not want to touch it. Yeah. Um, and the other reason was I wanted a company that they could call for support that wasn't me. Oh, key key factor was support. So and, I love vendors. And between App River and a couple of others we looked at, App River was, you know, not only the most responsive, but, you know, they seem to know their stuff up and down. And uh, to be honest with you, you know, I'm not making any money <gasps> for, for referral off that what? client because at the time I, I didn't really, oh. <laughs> I didn't You'd really. You'd be killing int- it right now with Well, I would. Checks. I'm getting it now for any new stuff, but. Oh, I mean, man. But, uh. But you know what? It's great because they, you know, they have little minor outlook issues that I help them with. But when it comes to, uh, you know, major stuff, they know they call App River. Um, wow. they don't, they don't even bother to call me. Um, unless App River says, Hey, your IT guy needs to take care of this. And then. Yeah. See, that's the thing is they're pretty good with me if I'm the tech contact. But you know what the problem I have is, is that I have to sometimes tell App River. Um, I don't want to be the tech contact for that client because they didn't keep me on as an aftercare tech, you know. I did the migration. I'm done. And so don't make me responsible for password resets at 3 in the morning. And that's the problem I had is I had to take me out of the tech contact equation. I don't know if you guys know that, but if you're the tech contact, they can't do a password reset over the phone without you approving it. Oh. Uh-uh, not me. I'm like, I've done 150 migrations, and a lot of those people just hired me for that only because they have an IT guy, and I'm like, he can do it. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I've learned that trick to take me out of the tech contact. But, you know, I have trained my people too, Marvin, to call App River first because they're they're paying for that service. They should call them. Yep. Yeah, they're very helpful. I, I'm finally getting to the point where... I'm seeing the value of um, working with a partner like that. I mean, it's been a couple of years, and I'm real still happy with them. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, hey, Marvin, Marvin, one quick question I actually had on, on that same topic. Um, do you do you have any situations where clients are actually wanting to keep or go with new on-premise exchange servers as, as opposed to 365 or another cloud solution? I'm just, I'm curious what you've seen on that side of things. Well, most of my clients are... Because I haven't had any. In the last two years, I have not had any where the metrics or the cost structure has made sense for us to keep servers on-premise for exchange. So I'd love to hear your side of it. I, I Actually, I did have one customer a year ago called me that wanted to, to go on-premise mm-hmm. uh, because they hated the performance uh, that they were getting. Now, this was not a, uh, a an AppRiver or SureWeb. Uh, type uh, hosted exchange. This mm-hmm. was some company I'd never heard of. Uh, but they were also doing file sharing. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it just wasn't working for them. So they wanted to go to one remote server that mm-hmm. was on site um, where they could do you know, their file sharing and sure. their and their email. So I I did install, you know, two servers for that customer and took them off their, their hosted uh, exchange platform back to on-premise. Mm-hmm. The other clients that I have, most of them have to stay with an on-site exchange okay. because of the software that they're using. Oh. Uh, a lot of my law firms have their case management system. Interesting. And in order for them to do integration with their calendars, um, you know, being able to tag their email into their case management, mm-hmm. they have to have an on-premise exchange to integrate with their with their uh, case management software. I've heard about that too, Marvin. I've been getting a lot more law firm calls, and they have. I forget what the program is. It's not Amicus, which I'm sure you well, guys have heard the of. The biggest, but... the biggest one is Client Profiles um, by a company oh. called Adderant. Okay. Uh, but that one is a big one. Time Matters. Um, is a big one, although Time Matters now works with hosted exchange. So uh, they, they, you know, some of them have moved over. A lot of them have stayed just because they haven't upgraded yet, mm. um, you know, with their particular version. So, 
that's where I am. So that's where most of my customers that have exchange uh, still have it. The ones yeah. that are that are probably I'm going to move into a hosted exchange are my customers that are on small business server, mm. uh, whether it's 2008 or 2011, and they're using the exchange there. Obviously, our next upgrade is going to be you know 2012 sure. server or something um, that doesn't no longer come with exchange. So in that case, we will look at moving them to Office 365. Uh, that's what I was hoping with this, you know, trip I was, uh, on just last week in the Bahamas. <laughs> They're a new customer with a new 2012 essential server that we're going to put on Office 365. And I was hoping to go through, you know, a migration from start to finish, or I guess even you would say an onboarding because, mm -hmm. you know, this is all going to be new for them. Every other migration, I've either come in, you know, in the middle or they've been half up, half down. Uh, this was going to be the first one I did from start to finish. Uh, um, you have to come back and tell us how that one works out, though. I will certainly will. I love the migration stories. They're always good. Yeah. <laughs> so now I, I do want to go back and you guys had mentioned on your last show you were talking about when you were talking about the flavors of office 365 and how yeah, the, the licensing uh, mix the, the <laughs> licensing mix um and how it's just so important to get customers at the beginning of that process yep. uh probably the reason i haven't done as many office 365 deals <clears throat> as i should have is because when we have gotten involved with customers it's because they've had Office 365, it's not working the way they want, mm -hmm. and they need somebody to come in and fix it. Mm -hmm. And just my last two alone have been where techs have been there. They've worked for a couple of months to try to make it work. And, you know, I get a good reputation around here as being the network guy and, and all of that stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, if anybody can clean it up and fix it, it'd be me. But I've had to come in and tell them, look, unless you're willing to change what you have now, it's not going to work because you bought the wrong product. Oh. And so you come in, yeah, you have to be the bad guy and tell them that the licensing they've had for the last <laughs> six months to a year is wrong. Yeah. And now we need to do a cleanup. Yeah, that's that's, that's always the worst. Yeah. And, and, and so – that's another reason why we've just stayed away from it because I just didn't want to get into those minefields uh, of where the customer is like, well, you know, you know, I was told I could buy this for five bucks a month or six bucks a month and put five different emails on one account and, you know, and then try to use the SharePoint. I'm like, no, that's not how that works. Sorry. <laughs> you you are part of the what I would call the, the what I called last time, Derek, the Office three sixty five marketing confusion. Yeah. Oh yeah, it just never ends, and even techs are confused. So, I mean, unless you drill into this and get to know it really well, I mean, I learn something new all the time about it, and I try to stay up on it. Yeah, it's it's hard, and, and it's twofold. It's not only because there are so many different SKUs out there and combinations, but Microsoft is, you know, has overhauled many of the plans. Yeah. You know, in eight, ten month time frames, and it's just this is like it seems to never end. You know, I'm hoping oh. that now we have some sol you know solidification going on in terms of they're not going to change things around. I'm hoping it looks like they're going down that path of keeping these fairly stable. But the last two years or so, my gosh, we've seen small business go away, mid-sized business go away. It's it's been a roller coaster. Yeah, so. and it'll change again. I have no doubt. In the next six months, they're going to repackage or rebrand everything. I really wish they'd just drop the home Office 365 and call it just Home something else because it's so confusing to people. I you get a lot of the questions oh. as we were talking about it before, right? The people that are buying the home version, using it in the business, and then we got to tell them, well, you know, you really shouldn't be or can't be using, you know, that on your business machine. Well, so my favorite was the lady. I I think I told you guys last show that she bought Office three sixty five home. Then she, I think that no wait, she had three email accounts, so she went in and tried to buy business essentials mm -hmm. for her current work where she worked. But she wasn't the owner of the company, so she bought it, and she couldn't configure it. I'm like, well, are you the owner of the company? She's like, no, we have like 50 employees. I'm like, well, then this isn't going to work for you. I got paid an hour to explain to her what Office 365 did. She thought all three of her emails would merge into one, and it would just synchronize with OneDrive. I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on with this? If people, this is how they view it. 
But everybody has a different opinion on what it's going to do. I had another mm -hmm. company uh, that put all their PSTs into OneDrive. Oh. Now, of course, they're never going to sink because Outlook's open all the time. Yeah. But they didn't even know. They thought that putting the PSTs in OneDrive was going to synchronize their email. Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's 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 unnecessary yeah. redundant since it's already you know PSTs are are um you know were they an exchange online were they on some no. kind of exchange <laughs> system? Oh, okay. I, all right. I think I messed up the stories, but the the lady. <laughs> I got paid for, uh, I think it was actually a half hour to explain why she couldn't synchronize three email accounts through the business essentials that, cause she didn't own the active or the, um, she didn't own the domain. So I couldn't mm -hmm. do a migration. But the other client I had bought the home office 365, put all their PSTs into OneDrive thinking that's how they synced their email oh. between two computers. And I said, no. First time I've heard of that. That's that's a new one. That's really, that, <laughs> I had to say that that one was, it was a good effort. I mean, they, they thought that that PST syncing, but then I said, well, your OneDrive is never going to stop syncing because Outlook's open. Yeah. So that's always syncing. I'll and, say their heart was in the right place on that one, but the follow through yeah. was, uh, <laughs> was a little bit off. It was kind of funny. So luckily the guy ended up having the on Microsoft account that we set up just for him to use for his calendars and contacts. And that's what fixed it for him. So he bought it. It worked. But anyway, new topic. I'm confusing everybody probably. Well, well, before you go on, guys, when you talked about the licensing plans, sure. you, yeah. you forgot to mention the four nonprofit plans. That oh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I, I got one of those clients last, two weeks ago that they're on now, the, do they have to pay or is theirs free no they're there they pay but it's obviously it's a reduced rate but they have uh, uh this particular one is on the high, uh, i don't even know if it's the highest plan but they're on a uh office 365 non-profit e3 uh, yeah, I, I've done a few of those over the last year or so. Nonprofits seem to want to really take that up quite heavily. Uh, and I believe it's so you, I think they can get E1 for free, if I'm not mistaken, Marvin. Um, E1 is completely free for nonprofits, but if they want E3, which includes the download rights for Office, obviously, I think that's like four or five dollars a month it's per four, user. It's, so it's, it's four fifty a month per user, and the E1 is a donation. Um, which I don't know exactly what that means, but they also have the 365 nonprofit business essentials, which is also free, mm -hmm. um, or donation, yeah. uh, up to 300 users. And they have the nonprofit business premium mm -hmm. for $2 a month, um, up to 300 users. I, I don't know why they have to. Yeah, I don't know why they would offer the lower plans when the you know if you, if they're going to be paying. I haven't had any nonprofit that has said they're not going to go you know with E three or the E one plan because they're you know they have everything the, the the business premium or the business essentials plans do. Right. So I don't, yeah. I don't I don't I don't know the logic around that, but you know hey that's Microsoft's marketing department. For How them, many so. seats do they give you in E one? Fifty. Oh no, it's unlimited. Yeah, you get okay. as many as you need. Well, last. Uh, when I was driving down from Florida, I got a call from a guy that um, uh, called and was looking for SharePoint and OneDrive help. Then they made an appointment. Then they canceled it because they said, oops, we just noticed that you don't support SharePoint and OneDrive anymore. And so I was like, weird. I think I better call them and tell them why because I felt bad. So I called the lady and I told her. You know, I asked her a few questions. She's like, there's only three or four of us here. We're really confused and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, maybe you guys don't need it. And so then next thing you know, her boss says, let's get another appointment with her. We want to talk to someone like her. Mm -hmm. Well, I ended up looking at their um, their Office 365 admin, admin control panel. They had 50 licenses for no charge. But then they had, uh, they're paying uh, so much per gig for SharePoint OneDrive, sure. and they've been paying this for a year, mm -hmm. and their bill was 80 bucks a month, and they weren't even using SharePoint or OneDrive, so I was like, well, let's start off by cutting that down to just a $2 bill for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you're not using the space, you know, what's yeah. the point? And then I just trained them how to use Dropbox between four of them. I mean, it's, you know, my theory on SharePoint OneDrive is, is not good, so they were thrilled. And uh, so that's the one job I told Chris, my tech, I said, hey, I actually won by not supporting something. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's an example though, of the nonprofit pricing was zero. But then they were getting charged $80 a month for the, the, the data storage. Do you guys even know what plan that is? 
Uh, uh, the, 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 the file storage is actually just an add-on. It's an add-on option, and it's called Extra File Storage, and I think they charge 20, gigs, uh, 20, 20 cents per gig per month extra. So I think that's what they got caught it, uh, rolled into. Yeah, so they had 400 gigs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I, Derek, I had a question, and, and I, sure. um, one of the customers that I tried to get rid of mm-hmm. um, because they purchased the wrong version of Office 365 – one of the things that they were trying to do is right when Microsoft offered um, all this OneDrive storage sure. um, is that they still had an on-premise server that they wanted to use. It was, I think, five or six people that they wanted to you know, set up shared folders and do all of that stuff. But they also wanted it to sync to OneDrive so that they could access it outside of the office. And they were ones that originally had the SharePoint plan but with only one user account that they were trying to share between the five. Mm-hmm. So that didn't work. And then they were trying to do something with the OneDrive, and that didn't work. But I ended up just basically, this was probably six months ago, telling him, look, what you're wanting to do, you cannot do unless you change your subscription and you know get a separate account for each user um, and then utilize the plan there. Now, they've not approached me about that yet, but I mm-hmm. know that at some point they will. How how are you dealing with customers that are trying to do this file sharing with this OneDrive, you know, in a local on-premise server scenario? Well, um, I really only have one company that has really decided to go down that path of doing the combination, the hybrid approach of doing mm-hmm. the syncing uh, and then tying in a local file server. And that's actually a customer that's still on Google Apps. So it's a Google Drive customer, to be honest with you. I haven't done a setup like you're talking about on the SharePoint slash OneDrive uh, realm. Uh, to be completely honest, the ones that really want to tie in or start using SharePoint and OneDrive, they're really ones that are saying, you know, they're getting away from the local file server. You know, they're making that clean cut and i've actually you know got a colleague that you know lisa introduced me to who's actually taking over for the sharepoint you know sort of build out and development side of it and that's been going pretty decently well for us so far so um in terms of these hybrid scenarios i i don't have enough experience with them to be able to tell you you know concretely you know is it a good idea will it work for the long term and how to do it properly so hey uh marvin um that's what i do is you put one hand over one ear and your other hand over the other ear and go, uh, nothing for me. I don't like it. Uh, you know, yeah. speaking of um, vendor assistance, Derek, yep. you know, that girl that we have, yeah. everybody needs a SharePoint. There's a difference between a SharePoint technician and a SharePoint administrator. Mm-hmm. And the girl that we know, I do not know if she does desktop, remote, and configuration. Mm-hmm. But that's where I just kind of gave up because that was mm-hmm. what I was doing. But yep. she works with like bigger clientele. And she, as far as I know, I saw her demo. I mean, she knows her, her stuff, you know. She's really good. And she yeah. again, she we're using her on a lot of larger customers, the ones that are moving clean yeah. cut over to SharePoint that want to really use yeah. all the bells and whistles. I mean, she, she knows that inside and out. And that's really where someone like that comes into play because yeah. – you as someone just trying to learn SharePoint and implement all the bells and whistles, it's very difficult oh. to do. And I try to do it. And, you know, for we did it in, for ourselves internally. It worked okay. And, and for a few other clients, it worked okay. But there's so much time and expertise mm-hmm. involved that it's something where, you know what, let the experts do that. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's, that's that's what I've learned. And guess what else, you guys? I don't know if you need this information, but my our audience might, is I just found – you're not going to believe this. I found a business contact manager expert. And I know, and get this, his wife does all the internal configurations of business contact manager with field mapping and making it all perfect. Um, I found a gold mine here because there's no other business contact manager experts. And I kind of gave up on that application myself. Because it is difficult. It deals with a SQL server and all this stuff that's too techy for me. So anyway, just so everybody you have a know, lot of clients that are that are using that still. Oh yeah, I still. Oh yeah. Well, when I deal with Outlook, I deal with the whole Outlook program. <coughs> there's been a lot of people that know BCM more than me, and it's usually my clients. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say it, but they're like married to it. So they know the back of it, but they don't know the technical. Sure. See, I I can wing it. But let's put it this way. It's just not my favorite. And especially with 2013. I know 2007 much better. But anyway, this guy also is a third-level Microsoft Certified Exchange Engineer. 
Wow. And he's available for break fix. You cannot really find an exchange server break fix guy. I know. So I'm just like giddy. <laughs> giddy. I'm building on my expert team. Yeah. That and extended network. And actually, we, could, we should probably do like a whole show just on that at some point, Lisa, about how yeah. to build an extended, you know, uh, referral network or a partner network like that. Because I well, think that's key to, especially when you're a, a smaller company like mine or a one-man shop like, you know, like like you guys, um, it's, yeah. you know, it's important to have that. Well, I mean, if I get a call from a client down in Fort Lauderdale, of course, I'm going to think of Marvin if I can't support them. I mean, that's why we are all technical friends to give each other work. Exactly. But I need to broker work or bring in a referral mm-hmm. and I like the brokering where I build a client they work for me that seems to be what works for me the referral where you pay each other doesn't seem to work so well so I try to do the where I keep the money in-house if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah but anyway those that was my joy last week was meeting this couple and she also does Outlook training but she doesn't know Outlook 2013 yet so I have to still do that training which I still will do so that's my update We'll always be training. There's always some kind of training involved, Lisa, as much as yeah. we want to get away from it. It's, it's a necessity. So. Well, yeah, it's, I'm a technician by trade, trainer second. I told her, I said, learn 2013. I'll have work for you up the eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, so what else is going on with our migrations? Well, I will tell you the last, the closest thing to a full migration I did about two months ago um, you guys talked on your, I don't know if it was last show or the show before, um, about your, your customer questionnaires ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, for the listeners out there, you cannot stress enough to get as much information ahead of time as possible. Um, luckily for all new installations that are network wide that, that we do down here, yeah. Um, I always require uh, an on-premise uh, network evaluation ahead of time. And one of the things that I found out that if I had just simply taken this customer's word for granted that they were all using the same email client, <laughs> I would have been dead in the water because they, they were stretched out across the board where they had – I mean, these, this is a customer who's still running you know, Windows XP. Yeah. Um, wow. And – you know, nobody was maintaining their network. So they were on all different versions of Office and Outlook, including ah. Outlook Express, a couple of, oh, uh, of them were running. Um, Got some antiques running over there. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, luckily I did that evaluation ahead of time so I could go back and say, look, we are not doing any migrations mm-hmm. uh, to the Office 365 until, you know, your workstations are updated and, you know, in order to back up, especially the Outlook Express email, you know, we've got to move them into Outlook to begin with. Yeah. So we, you know, have PST files to imp- It was just, you know, granted, it gave me an extra day's worth of work. <laughs> it's called the surprise yeah. migration, Marvin. Yeah. Surprise! And, but, you know what? I didn't lose $850 for a day's worth of work, oh. <laughs> you know, as part of that, so... Actually, it turned out to be a lot more because this was a client who they didn't want to pay for the full installed versions of the Office 365. They just wanted the email portion. Oh, sure. And we ended up purchasing, you know, licensed copies of uh, Office 2010 for them. Um, oh, because you can't so got- have XP install 2013, right? Right. Yeah. And what was the reason you didn't want to just take them off those XP machines and move those up? Is there a business need for XP still over there? Well, no, it was basically a cost. Because if I came into that, I would have told that customer that first thing we need to do is not not look at email, but this XP situation. So Yeah, wow. well, it was, it was only, I think, two XP machines. Um, and I mean, the cost for this project ended up being thousands. Um, they yeah. just weren't prepared oh, well, to do okay. that. And basically, I mean, we got those machines upgraded since then. Um, but at the time it was like, what's the fastest way we can get this done? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and wow. so, you know, you know, it was me and one tech and, uh, you know, we came in on a Friday night, did all the updates, all the upgrades, got everybody in the same version, did the backups. And then Saturday we did the migration, uh, okay. of the email. Um, but it was, I mean, it was just how, you know, cause you know, if we had to wait, we would have had to order new machines, get those up, get their data transferred. Uh-huh. Sure. 
Um, so we ended up doing that, you know, about a month later anyway. So we did get that, get that business afterwards. Wow. You know, let me ask you guys this. Um, how many people were at that firm, Marvin? Or how many mailboxes? The last one that I did that I yeah. just talked about? Uh, yeah. tw 12. Okay. So on 12, do you use migration whiz or do you just do it by hand? Uh, right now I'm still doing those by hand. Okay. Well, there's a pretty interesting thread going on at Technible right now. And um, I'm afraid of migration whiz because it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, I'm just, I, it takes me a long time to adapt to new tools. Like when I'm used to how I do it, I get scared and I'll just, you know, I have to admit this. I get scared and nervous. I'm going to mess it up, you know? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, Lisa, I, you know, and I think perhaps this might help you determine where or when migration was maybe helpful, but I'll tell you right off the bat that migration was cannot help you for situations where you need to import from PSTs that are sitting locally. Well, that's so why it's not I'm even not an option for you at that point. Well, not really because with my, with the problems my people are calling in with, when I can say you need to go to exchange, mm -hmm. it's because their Gmail, Gmail is one of my mm -hmm. biggest money makers, mm -hmm. is the IMAP is, is not syncing, it's messed yeah. up and their team is sick of it. So then you have to go export out the IMAP anyway, mm -hmm. you know, because, um, you know, you just have to export it out perfectly so you can import into the server. So already I'm, I don't know how Migration Wiz would help me there. Yeah, I think for your scenarios, for these where you're working off Outlook Express, Outlook, you know, local yeah. PSTs, I mean, Migration Wiz does not help. Migration Wiz expects that data to be sitting on an Exchange server or in Google Apps in a, in a nice fashion. Yeah. Um, because it's, it wants to just talk to the cloud systems. It doesn't want to talk to local workstations. So, so here's the thing, though, with my kind of users is a lot of them, they're on IMAP for Gmail, which mm -hmm. should use be used fine on Migration Wiz. Mm -hmm. But the other problem is, They've got three or four other email accounts. Yeah. And so you'd I'll, be doing manual work anyway with those. I'm doing so. manual work all the time. So for my dream to move to bigger business, like, okay, Lisa, let's stop getting out of break fix, move into MSP. Mm -hmm. I just think that I, I just don't know if I'm ready to cross that border. Mm -hmm. Like you guys, you know, I, I don't know if you even started in my spot. I know, Marvin, you said years ago you did, but, you know, to me, I'm just like, I like doing it the way I do it. I'll, I'll, I'll give other people the work if I get the calls. <laughs> Gladly. Yeah, I've got my my migrations are now pretty solid, but uh, you've got a good process down, right? And if yeah. something works that well and it's been successful, I mean, why 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 taint something that's you know in pretty good shape? Or, you know, yeah. and, and I and I have that feeling about other things too. So I, I get where you're coming from with that. I just stuff. get nervous when I hear that the migration whiz is doing it and it keeps doing pass throughs. All I can think of is my people with 50 gigs of email and Gmail not passing through it would take a week to do it mm -hmm. and me telling people it ain't done and i because i like get it done in a day mm -hmm. done unless they've slowed well, and, and what they were probably <laughs> talking about so migration was there's a concept called my passes doing delta passes yeah. so staging doing you know the the oldest email on the system first and then having the system go back and and move some of the newer mail after you actually do the cut over the mx okay. records and that's really probably what they were discussing okay. so migration was actually is as fast or faster than any of the manual <laughs> methods i've used it's very quick i mean the data center that they have powering that software is gargantuan it's it's, oh. it's pretty darn good but again it has to the scenario has to be right and for these manual situations we're using outlook express or local psds you can't even consider it so it's not even an option at that point yeah okay good then i'm just not gonna talk about it anymore i'll <laughs> let other people talk about it <laughs> hey marvin i wanted to ask you so for your migration that you were just discussing did, were you using a very similar method so you said you were you were staging everything in outlook and then moving everything importing into the exchange um pro uh, email accounts yes how, how did that look for you um that one wasn't too bad um you know the mailboxes were small so uh, you know my biggest fear was the time it would take to do that mm -hmm. um, so it, it actually took us longer to convert you know them all to the same you know office or outlook 2010 mm -hmm. um, to then actually do the migration so um, that didn't go bad at all um, now what we did not do is add the account to their existing outlook we actually um did a brand new profile and then okay. imported the psts uh, okay. and that's probably because um i did run into a snag you know a couple years ago when i had first started doing office 365 where we just kept getting hang-ups and trying to add the account 
So I've just never gone back to even looking at that process, mm-hmm. um, which I do want to do. Um, and in terms of an actual migration tool, the one tool that I've looked at um, that I haven't been able to use yet, um, but I know that I'm going to as soon as we start to you know migrate off of these on-premise exchange servers, mm-hmm. is the Code Two Office 365 migration. I've just I've heard that that's so much better uh, than the uh, than the Microsoft uh, migration wizard. Um, yeah, I, I never use. I used. I try to use the Microsoft tools on my first ever migration. I will never use them again. They are terrible, and it's kind of funny because when I go to these, uh, you know, boot camp seminars with from Microsoft, they host over here in Chicago. Even their own reps say, "Don't use our tools. <laughs> They're pretty wow. bad." So, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. kind of funny. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I've, I've continued, yeah, I've always done them manually. Um, you know, you get the process. I mean, yeah, sometimes it can take a while. Um, but you know, it's, you know, you're only as fast as your bandwidth, you know, anyway, so. Uh, and one thing I'm curious about, Marvin, how did you, since you were dealing with new profiles, you must have run into the issue with the autocomplete contact records. How did you deal with that? Or was that even an issue for you? Um, trying to think. I don't think that it was. Because when you make a new profile, you lose all those entries unless you're doing a backup of those. So, uh, you know, some customers don't notice it, but I have oh, been bitten. Oh, <laughs> I have been bitten, and I know Lisa has always talked about these, that she always gets bit if, <laughs> if there's any issue with that. So I, I've not. Now, one of the things that I probably pay close attention to is their DNS. And, you know, one of the things that that we have access to ahead of time are, you know, the control panel for their DNS records that we go in and get all those set up. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't even, you know, attempt to do a migration until those are, are, are ready to go. Um, yeah. So I, unless I'm missing something, I haven't run into that just yet. Not I tell fix- you guys how I fix that real quick. I've got yeah, it down to it where it's a really quick fix now. It took me, oh hours to figure it out because it was a you know it's just something i wasn't prepared for and for which version of outlook uh, 2013 it's yeah it's the autocomplete stream blah 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 so basically you go into the roaming of the app data the roaming folder. folder yeah the roaming yeah. folder in there you should see like about 50 um what's called auto stream streamline stream something then you go look for the biggest one which should be at the top because if you have to create a new profile it was just you know and the date modified on that one should be the latest yeah. one as well usually yeah so. so if you see one with 2k you know that's the one you just made if you see one with 950k that one is chock full of all the 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 emails so um what you do is you make a copy of the good one I always make a copy. I put it on the desktop, and then you have to go in and rename the the 2K one. That's the new one. Mm-hmm. You name it dot old. Then you take that name from that one and go make it for the 950 one, and say um, rename it. It says, "Are you sure you want to? You'll lose functionality." You say yes, and then it uh, you close that. You close Outlook. You relaunch Outlook. Go to the two line, and you should see your. Uh, names out of popular. And, and the key for that again, you said you renamed the old one they were using to the same name that the yep. new profile made. Is that yep. what you were getting at? Okay. You basically have to swap out, and it's a long stream, so I cut and paste yeah. and I make a copy of it just in case. Mm-hmm. But the new one you don't have to make a copy of because it's only 2K in size, so sure. it's not a big sure. deal. But uh, yeah, you basically just rename them and, and co- you know, call the old one dot old. Now, uh, it sometimes doesn't work. You got to keep messing with it. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the one thing about Outlook that I've always hated is that stupid autocomplete. The way that they handle that is so ridiculous, and I wish they would just include that in the actual Exchange profile. It would make life yeah, so much it, easier. It, it actually does once you are on Exchange. Exchange does have an autocomplete, um, I have found anyway. And it actually pushes to the server yeah, and back yeah. to the clients? I didn't yep. know that. Well, I've, I've done some testing because I will be on uh, the OWA and type my name, Lisa, call that girl that biz, and then mm-hmm. then I go into their Outlook, and it's already there. And if there's a new profile, yeah. Now, the one thing I also want to let people know is, if in case you cannot get that auto streaming complete to take, worst case scenario is this is a backup fix, which a lot of people are happy with, is you go extract their contra- uh, contacts into a CSV file, mm-hmm. and then you go and highlight the email column. Now, if they've got 10,000 contacts, you better chop that into a 1,000 at a time. But you copy those, you open up a new email, you go to BCC, mm-hmm. you paste them, you hit Alt-K, 
then they all underline. Then it attaches to Outlook as an email that is uh, verified. I have used that same process, yeah. but I haven't done the Alt-K aspect. Well, so the Alt-K sure. makes it faster to underline, okay. and then it'll, it'll remove out any junk. Then you hit <clears throat> Don't Save That Email. Then you go back to the two line and start typing, and then those that you just put in there should start auto-populating. That's my backup for people in case I can't get that out of stream to fix because that is sometimes really That's been my tough. primary. That's been my primary method, unfortunately. It's the yeah. one that has worked the most for me. I think I've tried yeah. doing the copy rename like a year or two ago, and it just I have ran into issues like you talked about. And this method seems to be fairly yeah. tried and true. There's a few times where I have to redo it one more time for users. But for the most part, you know, again, there's no 100% clean method for, for doing no. it that, I can, that we can share. So Maybe I'll make a video for YouTube. Maybe once I get my my master computer back up and running here. <laughs> well, it's difficult. And to me, that took me so long to figure out. And I did learn it from other website forums, mm -hmm. but no one had the exact science on it. Yeah. So, of course, I, you know, thought I was a genius when I figured it out. But <laughs> I'm not by far. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey Mar Marvin, I'm really, I'm really curious as well. Um, did you guys use any directory sync back to AD for that move that you did? Or was this just a straight... You know, no. separate environment for yeah. That was a fire. that was a separate environment. Okay. Um, they they actually did not have an on-premise server. Okay. Well, let me rephrase that. <laughs> they had a peer server that was a Windows Seven workstation. Ah, um, a computer acting as a server. Correct. Which is not really a server. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, they are. They're another customer that's on my list to get them a server, and we are hoping to do 2012 server essentials and i'm hoping to integrate um that ad um office 365 scenario um that's something i i just haven't done yet i just haven't had any clients in a position to do it so mm -hmm. um any insight you guys would have i'd appreciate it because i i am looking forward to doing that yeah that's, i mean that should be a good uh, good transition for them um you know like i said 2012 uh um, 2012 is actually a very good platform, very stable. Um, and you know, I tend to usually want to go with standard edition of Windows Server. I find that Essentials is a bit limiting in some aspects, and really, it only costs a couple hundred dollars more to get the regular standard version. Um, you know, so that's really the only two cents I'd provide is if you can, if they can swallow it, I would say just get the standard edition of Server instead of Essentials. So okay, well, does the standard do the O365 integration as well? Uh, yeah, you can do that. I mean, the, the, that, the 365 integration is completely separate and mutually exclusive. It's, it's as a part of a separate tool you can download called Azure, um, AD Sync is what they call it. Oh, okay. And that tool is, that tool you can use on any version of server since 2008 R2, so. Oh, cause I've all, I mean, I, I prefer standard, mm -hmm. um, but the only reason to go to essential would be for these smaller customers. And I just assume Office 365 works better with Essentials than with no, Standard. No, there's no there's no difference. I've dealt with both flavors, and the process of connecting AD is exactly the same on all of them. So. Oh, sweet. <laughs> I'll stay with Standard because I, <laughs> I, I, I like the more options with Standard. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely recommend that. So that's my two cents on that. All right, you guys. Well, I have one final quick story to close with, and I think we can wrap up the show. So... Uh, if you guys have not checked out my YouTube channel, I have a few videos up there, YouTube slash call that girl. And um, I had a client that actually called and said, hey, I found this video on YouTube on how to sync iCloud or how to fix iCloud in Outlook when it's broken. And he goes, but I, it's not fixing it. And I said, oh, okay, well, then I might have to remote in and help you. And he goes, well, where's the next video? I go, oh, the next video, to like, how to fix it if that doesn't work? He goes, yeah. I go, well, that's when you got to hire me. <laughs> and I had to chuckle. That's called consulting like, time. It's called, I really felt bad because he his was a standard iCloud fix of one hour. We had to re-download it, reconfigure sure. it, and do the – I mean, it's an hour job. And I'm like, sorry, man. But turned out he was a consultant for Salesforce, and he's like, hmm. we need help with Outlook, so might have been worth that one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You never know what kind of connections you're going to make. I never. All right, you guys. That was my laugh of the week. <laughs> Where's the next video? Yeah. There's, there's, only so many, there's only so many freebies that we can hand out, right? 
Well, in all fairness, I had to reconfigure all the stuff, but the new add-in from iCloud, which mm -hmm. I think came from an update from iTunes, sure. is Apple Dev is the new add-on that's sneaking in there. So for anybody listening that's having iCloud issues and Apple it doesn't Dev, work. Apple Dev as in D-E-V? Yeah, I think it was called Apple Dev, yep. Huh. For 2013, it was an add-on. Now, iCloud add-on was already there, but the mm -hmm. Apple Dev was disabled. Now, I had to redo everything anyway for them, but um, I, d I enabled that uh, Apple Dev. It worked fine. Mm -hmm. Those sneaky Apple people making me money all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Derek, any closing thoughts from you? No, I thought this was a really good show. Marvin, I really appreciate you coming on. And, yeah. and I really think that we need to do another uh, show at some point and bring you back on, Marvin. I think uh, you'll, you'll have some more good stories to share. And I've got some, you know, pretty interesting migrations coming up. I'm probably going to have some neat, interesting mm -hmm. uh, or neat things to talk about. So we need to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, I'll get my stuff done and let you guys know. And you guys get me on whenever you want. Sounds good. Well, we appreciate you coming on. And um there's nothing else. Let's wrap up the show, guys. If you need to contact Derek, you can contact him at, um, what was it? DW. It's very simple. <laughs> DW. So D as in dog, W as in Walter, at firelogic.net. Yep. You can email me, Lisa, at callthatgirl.biz. You can find other shows at podnuts.com slash CTG. You can uh, purchase my ebooks, which I've got five tech ebooks. One includes how to do Microsoft migrations. And you can check those out at callthatgirl.biz slash publications. And uh, I'm all over social media, so just Google me if you want to follow me around. And that's it, guys. Thank you for coming, and thank you to the listeners for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Until next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>